0: Thanks for tuning in to the Calvary Carlsbad podcast. Today's message was taken from our 10 a.m. service. If you'd like to join us in person, you can get more info at our website at calvarycarlsbad.com. Let's jump right in and we hope you're encouraged. So we're in Hebrews chapter three, starting Hebrews chapter three. Have you guys enjoyed Hebrews so far? I have, thank you for saying yes. Um, I have very much, uh, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, So we're all the way into chapter three, the first section, uh, really this whole book is about how the supremacy of Christ, that Jesus is greater than anything that the these this largely Jewish audience would go back to. Why would they go back to anything you might ask well, they were enduring some serious persecution and they were looking back at their life at that they had before and they go, man, maybe it was easier there and so they're trying to reconcile. You know, is Jesus an angel? There's like some weird kind of theology stuff going on. They're looking back to, well, remember what it was like before. Also keep in mind, they probably lost family members by choosing to follow Christ. There's probably splits like that where they chose to follow Christ and they're thinking about going back because life has not necessarily gotten easier. They're facing persecution. And so this author of Hebrews, who we don't know who it is, is reminding them, of how much greater Jesus is than anything else. And so the first section dealt a lot with angels. And we actually showed how awesome angels are and showed them and they are really rad and they were really powerful and they were really worth like studying in a sense and how God uses them. And we had the great stories of angels protecting people that, that you couldn't see it, but the people who were trying to attack them could. Uh, and all that, so cool. But the the supremacy of Christ in every single way to the angels. And so now we're going to be talking about the supremacy of Christ and how much greater he is than Moses, okay? So uh, we are going to read. If you'd stand, we're going to read. It's only six verses that we're going to go through today. Um, And then we'll pray and get started. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him, as Moses also was faithful to, in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all his house as a servant, for a testimony of those things. Which would be spoken afterward but christ as a son over his own house whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end lord we come before you and we are desperate for a touch from you we're desperate for you to speak to us we need you to penetrate our hearts and our minds lord so give us ears to hear and eyes to see what you want us to hear and you want us to see give us um understanding that we'd be able to get this and it would transform our lives. That we'd be constantly in the process of becoming more and more like you, set apart, uh, created and recogni- getting the rec- recognizing the purpose that we've been created for and unto. So God, do what you want to do here Use by your Holy Spirit, Lord. Convict us where we need to be convicted. Encourage us where we need to be encouraged. Whatever you want to do, we give you access in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1, Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus. Therefore is referring to what, what did we have before? What were we just talking about, right? And the last section we especially dealt with was we have this salvation in Christ. And Uh, this really unique thing, right? Because these people are in these, the the letter who this is written to, the Hebrews, they're enduring persecution. And yet we see that it is fitting. It was fitting for Christ, who's the captain of our salvation or the trailblazer of our salvation, the one who makes the path, the one who who cuts through the brush. He does all the, you know, clearing it out, makes the way that he would suffer. So he'd be perfected or, or, or uh, you know, complete. That he would experience and understand suffering. That he would understand going through stuff. That he would understand temptations. That he would be made complete through suffering. So it's therefore, with that in mind, now we are one with Christ. Now we're able to receive help because he understands what temptation is like. That's what it says at the end. He doesn't send aid to angels, but yet he sends it to us. So not only is Christ greater than the angels, in a sense, we have a higher purpose here than the angels do too. Angels are messengers, they're useful in the hands of God. But this story is about God being glorified and using mankind as his vessels to accomplish what he wants to do, to enjoy fellowship with one another, to, to, to like build something really great. To to take the earth, to rule it, subdue it, to to govern well. How are we doing? <laughs> but the 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 purpose remains. And so therefore, with all of this in mind, we now go into the next section. Holy brethren, then he says, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. Holy brethren. We are holy as one. By, by the way, if you go holy, I don't know if I'm part of the holy brethren. Holy is set apart. It's dedicated unto. We've talked about this a lot. What's the difference between you go through a lot of the laws, right? If you've been doing the Bible reading plan we've been doing, you're going through Leviticus and you're looking at all the, the Exodus, Leviticus numbers, and we're looking at all the different ceremonial laws and what's clean and what's unclean and, and how one plate can be holy and another plate not, You go, oh, that one's Pyrex, that one's nicer, you know, that one's the holy one, or that one's mid-century modern, you know, great. This one, this one's not, this was a paper plate, so that one's obviously not holy. What was the idea of holy was it was dedicated unto the Lord. There was a process of sanctification for the individual item that would be used in the tabernacle or in the temple. So it's really not the thing itself, but it's the process of it being dedicated unto. So holy brethren, those who are dedicated unto the service of the Lord now have a new family in Christ in whom we're now called, he's our co-heir, we're called brothers with him even in that, right? Isn't that insane? So partakers... Of the heavenly calling. Now, this is interesting too. We are partakers of a heavenly calling. If you don't have motivation to serve Jesus, maybe this helps, <laughs> right? Does this motivate you? Does this give you purpose? Does this get wake us up? That we're partakers of a heavenly calling. And we talk about it a lot. I, I think major issues in the world are identity and purpose. I don't know who I am and I don't know why I'm here. I mean, people are dying for that, for a purpose, for a reason, for something. They're looking for it. And and, and I think we'll find it doesn't have to be easy. People will go through a lot to find this. And so we have this purpose, our heavenly calling in Christ Jesus, kingdom lifestyles. Consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. Have you ever heard Jesus called the apostle anywhere else? Isn't that interesting? Interesting. The idea of apostles, apostolos, is it's the, uh, it means one who is sent. So that's literally what the word means. It was Jesus sent? Absolutely. So it's not like it's a, you know, formal like office in a sense. It's like it's a description of one who is sent. So that's Jesus, the apostle and high priest. More on this. This is a really exciting part. The high priest, Jesus is high priest um, of our confession. Uh, yeah, Christ Jesus. So high priest, uh, he's the one that can actually atone for, a sin, for the people, right? The high priest would what? They'd go in and they would offer sacrifices and they would uh, go on behalf of the people and they would do these things that would make the people ceremonial clean so God could dwell in their midst. The best way I've heard it put, the law, uh, abiding by the law, set them apart and kept them blessable by God. And boy, isn't that the reality? It set them apart. That's why I say, oh, what are they, racist? They can't intermarry? What is their deal with not liking other cultures? No, this was to be a set-apart people that would look different from everyone else, that the lines don't blur in and out of everything. And so we keep this in mind as Christians, not in the way that we, like, you know, necessarily marry, although believers, please, please. Uh, and not by the way we wear our hairstyles or, uh, you know, if we trim the edges of our beards or have tattoos or something like that. You can have, we can have a discussion if you want to. Uh, that, I'm too far down that road, okay? Um, but but the, the idea is that we too are to be set apart. And then as we're living in the grace of God, it just continues to keep us in that place of blessing. And yet God still blesses us even outside of that but there's something about finding yourself in the confines of what God has called us into. That's just so stinking blessable. Tell me, did your marriage, was your marriage more blessable than your relationship before marriage? For sure. (laughs) I think so. It was like, when we got married, it was like, how is this going to work financially? And it was like, all right. And God's like, well, just trust me. And we just did. And boom, it's like, well, here's a place to live. And here's a, here's this, and here's that. And every, you know, Fifteen years later, let's go. Boom. Oh, okay, knuckles. So we have this calling, and it's been called out—a point uh, to be set apart, to be different, right? And 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 set apart, dedicated unto the Lord. We have this high priest who really can atone for our sins. That we now—it's not just like a kind of like sketchy interaction, where like hopefully everything's dealt with. And maybe not, then it's the day of atonement. You know, we try and figure it all out. Now we have a real thing going on where Jesus, we have this faithful high priest and he's gracious and, and knows what we're going through and he understands our sufferings. Man, it's so good. Who was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses also, this is verse two, as Moses also was faithful in all his house. Jesus was faithful to his calling. What did you always hear Jesus saying? What do I gotta do? The will of who? the father, he was faithful to the calling. And we see even Jesus struggling with that. He's like, I I wish this cup could pass for me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He was faithful to what he was called to. And and you could hear the humanity in his voice there, right? I mean, because if we get the idea that he's like, he's God, so he's kind of just like skipping right through everything and he's invincible. You remember um, video games, you do the cheat codes? and it's like you, uh, in unlimited lives you can never die like it's just like you uh, there's no gravity there's no anything do you guys remember those how many guys got head contra down down right who can who can finish that okay right we used to have that contra down down right right left up up, up aba select start something like that we all had it memorized this is like the you know kids of the, the late 80s early 90s know what i'm talking about i guess we had it memorized, and it was like, "Oh yeah, you get unlimited lives," and I beat the game. Not really, <laughs> right? You beat the game, but not really, because nothing could really bad could happen to you. You were you you had no problem with anyone shooting you; just walk right through them. It's the idea that Jesus, being God, was like, "Oh, you know, yeah, I'm kind of here. Yeah, I felt that suffering. Whoo, you know." No he was fully man, fully God. And so the idea of him saying like, oh no, I I do not want to do this you know but nevertheless your will be done. So he was faithful to that calling. So was Moses. Moses was faithful. Um, and just like if we look at angels and we see them lifted up in a sense to see man, really how powerful they are, it gives us a a, a, bet, a better scale for how much higher Jesus is than them. Think with a Jewish mindset. Okay, with, a, with an Old Testament, Old Covenant mindset, Moses is the guy, you know? And Moses is, what's really interesting, I remember writing a paper about this, uh, the redemption story in the book of Exodus. There, it, it is like, it's unbelievable when you start breaking it apart that Moses is a shadow, is a Christ type. Uh, uh, he was a, a glimpse of what was to come. And that's what people like, They flock to it, right? They look at Moses like, man, this is insane. We'll get into that more in a second. But Moses uh, was faithful in all his house. So uh, Moses was faithful, Moses was faithful in delivering the law. And with it, he had the rules and the establishing of the tabernacle, which would later become the temple, right? From the tent to the building. And so he was faithful in that. Why, he, why, why would they be asking about Moses? Because there's a return. They want to return to tradition. They're looking backwards. They're looking backwards. There could be so many different reasons for this. Uh, trying to get out of the way of persecution. This could mean, again, like we said, family. There could be family issues there. We don't know for sure. Nostalgia, you know, you ever think about going back? And we talked about that last week. Going back isn't the same. It's not what you think it is. You have you have kind of rose-colored glasses looking back sometimes. You didn't realize, man, how empty all that was. So, uh, verse 3, for this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. So Moses, a type of one to come, a picture, a shadow. Right? Moses was Here's here's some of the similarities, okay? Moses was born into a hostile environment. 400 years after Joseph, you know, the the children of Israel are enslaved by Pharaoh. And what's happening? They are reproducing quickly. And they're becoming a very big people. And so what do they, they say? Start killing off all the males. Start throwing them into the river. Kill off the males. Moses is one of them. We know that Moses is of the lineage of Levi, Levite, which was what? Which tribe? The priests, right? And Moses was Jewish. And so he's born into a hostile environment with, of an insecure, like a ruler. He's like freaking out. He can't have, he cannot have these people get big, these people who are in slavery. And he was miraculously perver- preserved. Now, what, who else did this happen to right? Jesus. They heard the Messiah was coming. Herod, what's he doing? He's killing all the newborns. Very similar, right? What was the story with Moses? He gets put into a what? A basket. He gets sent down the river. Who finds him? Pharaoh's daughter. And then he, Pharaoh's daughter finds him and says, you know, we need someone that, that can nurse him. And Moses' mom's like, I could probably do that. So all of a sudden, he's, he's <laughs> being raised by his mom somehow. In the, in the, in the, the palace. He's he's being raised up in the palace of Pharaoh, and so, what's unique about Moses? Here's another thing. I don't hear this one all the time, but I, I believe it to be true. Moses way is is brought up in, with an understanding of two worlds. As the as the as both, right? He's the ones that he grows up with all the luxuries of being in uh, in charge and power. And then yet he also is Jewish. And so later on, he was, he end up doing, killing a guy for a, abu- you know, one of the people abusing the slaves. He's, he's in a, you know, an interesting spot there. This is again, shadow. Moses messes up. He's not Jesus, but he was a shadow of the things to come. He was called with a purpose. Again, uh, there was provision in a sense, prophetically. He's a Levite. He was meant to be the priest. I think he was supposed to be the high priest he was and he's like i can't talk i'm not good at talking use aaron And he's like okay we'll use aaron i think i think that was a mistake because i think actually moses acts as the high priest and when aaron does not even though even though aaron god's like concedes and says fine i'll use aaron what's what's the thing aaron's doing as soon as moses is gone for too long we need to make something you know makes an idol a golden idol out of earrings and stuff like that right and I and then Moses does you if you've been around for a while, Moses does the most punk rock thing and he grinds it up into powder and he makes him drink it. You're gonna drink this, you know. It's your bar of soap, you know. And so he he I believe he's he was called with that purpose, distinct purpose. God calls him individually, miraculously, through the burning bush. Um, Michael Morales in this book, Exodus Old and New, says, truly it would be difficult to underscore properly the significant role and unique status of Moses in the life of Israel. His role encompasses every conceivable office, that, that of a deliverer and a paradigm of the Messiah, lawgiver, prophet, priest, sage, and king. He was called to deliver his people from a hostile foe. He was called to deliver his people from bondage to freedom. What else did he do? How did he do that? He brought them through the waters of transition, right? How do we see waters of transition, waters of judgment? It's baptism. You go down and you come up new. The idea of going through the waters, waters had this element of life, yes, but also judgment. And so he's he's going through, takes the people through, in a sense, the judgment, and, and the the price is paid, and the sin is dealt with as the walls of water collapse on Pharaoh's army. And they they leave in bondage, and then they, they end up on the other side in freedom. So we see, in a sense, there it is again, right? Jesus. Uh, uh, Moses as, in a sense, leading them through from bondage to freedom. He became um, a priest or mediator, illing, even willing to give up himself. So the g- golden calf incident, what happens next after the golden calf incident? God is furious. He says, Moses, your people are I'm not, he hears like chanting and he's like, what's going on? He's like, they are partying because they made an idol and Moses is furious and he breaks the 10 commandments and he goes down there and he makes them drink their, you know, thing. And then he goes back up and God says, I'm, I'm done with you guys. It's you and me, Moses, we're starting over. This is like a Noah thing, right? We're going to start all over with you. I am not dealing with them anymore. And Moses is like, no, don't, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. He says, kill me and, and save us. Like, I, if you I'm not going like, please. And he starts appealing like, remember who you are, remember what you've done, remember what the Egyptians have seen. I believe fully that God was always planning on doing this, but he was pressing Moses as a leader in a sense. I think he was absolutely super mad. But then he says, All right, fine, I'll take him to the promised land. And Moses says, If you if you don't, but he says, I'm removing my presence. Because how was his presence manifested? In the cloud, right? That was how he was leading. It was a cloud and the fire. And, and then it, it, later on, it would become, it wouldn't travel with them in, and it would be in the tabernacle in the Holy of Holies. He says, you can go. Uh, I'm not going with you. Moses, have the promised land. Enjoy. He's like, no, if you don't go, we're not going. If your presence doesn't come, we don't go. And God looks at Moses and he's like, you're my guy. You get it. And Moses is like, "Can you show me your go- glory, please?" It's an aha moment. He gets it. Everything is everything else is is gone away, and he says, "You can't really see me fully, but I'm gonna tell you what. You're gonna get a glimpse." And when he gets the glimpse, he comes back down, and what's going on? His face is glowing. He reestablishes the covenant, and everything starts. But Moses is willing to give himself up, his own life up, for his people. So you understand with this context we all look back at it with a different eyes right and we look at the law in like in, in a sense in a negative context it it was it was it was a shadow but at this time it was the way it couldn't save them we're going to get into that later but it was the way for god to remain with them in the camp and so we have moses as this mediator who goes before god and speaks to god and is willing to give up his own life for the sake of his people. You know, what else happens is what? The Passover, you know, before they leave, the Passover and the establishing of the blood, the establishing of the blood that saves, of the lamb. I mean, it's all symbols everywhere. It's amazing. He had a unique relationship with Yahweh. He wrote the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch. That's a big deal, isn't it? Those books are, the more I read them, don't get me wrong, Leviticus is still a hall. But if you get the big picture of Leviticus, it's unbelievable. It's just there's a lot of details in there, you know? But like when you really understand the Pentateuch, it is beautiful. It is brilliant. It like reflects like Genesis to Deuteronomy, Exodus to Numbers, Leviticus in the middle, right in the center. What? The Day of Atonement. We said it last week. God is like it's just masterful Moses was used for that he had a unique relationship with God for sure Moses was even given as we saw some uh, of the glory of God was revealed on him again his face people could see that so there was a there was some glory there in a sense but so much glory and more glory in Christ So what we elevate in a sense look at the life of Moses and we go wow now I could see it a little better with that perspective. This dude was an important part of the story. And, and and no wonder everyone was looking back to him. He was a faithful guy. We know Moses ended up missing out on going to the promised land, right? Because you, you know why? He hit the rock and you go, man, I've hit so many rocks in my life. And it's because he misrepresented God. The people are angry. He gets angry with the people because they're like, where's our water? And he smashes and he's like, Moses. Don't misrepresent me like that. You're 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 my guy. Again, he's not Jesus. So there's all of our heroes of the faith, there's always like this something about them that goes, ah, it's just not quite it. And that's by purpose. We're looking for something better, which is Jesus. Um and so we're looking to Jesus, Hebrews 12, 2 tells us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he, his glory is so much greater than the glory of Moses. Moses lived in the house, Jesus built the house. So you can live in a house, but I'll tell you what, the person who built it, in a sense, really knows it better. They put in the little nooks and crannies and all the different spots, and they put the outlets where you, you know, they think you should have them. They put everything in its proper place, and maybe you find out that you have an extra spot that you didn't even know was in your house. What's under my staircase? What? Is a trapdoor or something like that? You know, Jesus built the house. He's the one that established it. More on that in a second. For every house, verse four, is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. Um, clearly, every house has a design, which is it's interesting that we're like, everything comes from cosmic space dust, but, that, but not a house. You're like, yeah, but what about people? Where do people come from? If it was somehow through cosmic space dust, God used it in some crazy way to make it happen. Because things like this just don't happen. I have an iPad right here, and I don't care how long it sits here, it's not going to get any more advanced You know, it's not gonna become an iPad Pro by sitting here or if I put it out in the creek. Let's just see what happens, man. I'm just gonna let, I'm gonna let it have its process and see it grow. No, it shows design and purpose. Same thing with a house. And you want someone who knows how to design and build a house, building your house, don't you? Because what happens when we live in a place where the earth moves, I remember talking to Kellen one time, and he said, yeah, he's like, you know, a house is built to where it has, like, four different ways it's strong, in a sense. Like, it, it, it's, if it, this one doesn't work, this part works. If that one doesn't work, you've got that part that works. If this one doesn't work, and there's like, oh, yeah, well, that's good to know. And some of them, you go, well, here's an unapproved uh, room addition that someone, you know, before YouTube videos built, and you're watching the roof go like this, and you're going, I just don't know about that one. <laughs> You're like, I'm not gonna go inside there right now, because you can see it's like bowing down, right? So there's a purpose and a design. Every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. Again, we're looking at at, at the picture of Moses and look at how great he was. He's living in the house. He's a good servant in the house. God has built not just the house, but everything. Okay, verse nine, and or verse five, and Moses indeed was faithful in all of his house, all his house as a servant for testimony of those things which would be spoken afterwards. Moses was faithful in his service. Even with the mistakes he made, he was a faithful servant. He was a great leader to the people. And he was absolutely useful in bringing about what God was doing at that particular time, but he comes in as a servant, right? Verse six, our last verse here, but Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Christ is far greater. Jesus is far greater than Moses. He was the shadow. He was the image. He was a, a sign. He was like, it was almost like an hors d'oeuvre. <laughs> like, I'm kind of hungry. You eat something and you're like, I'm more hungry. It's like, I want even more of that. I, 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 ah, this doesn't quite satisfy, you know? But he's greater. Christ is greater. He is son over his own house. He's not a servant. He's a son, first of all and it's his own house. He's the author and the finisher. That's what we just read. The author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one that's gone before. He's the one that came up with the whole idea. Moses was a good servant. You know when Moses was doing really well? When he was listening to everything God said and doing it. That's when Moses was at his absolute best. But the son created everything. He's coming from a different place. You know, and we saw it as his, uh, in in his um, incarnation, obedient completely to the will of the Father. But there's something different about Jesus, even in that state. He's He's got something else going on because he's healing people. He's got like a, he can see things. He can understand things. We just read with the high schoolers, uh, Philip and Nathaniel, the story of Philip and Nathaniel. And he's like, hey, I um, saw you hanging out over there by the tree. He's like, you are a prophet. He's like, why? Cause I said, I saw that. I saw you. Just, he just starts following him. And Jesus is just going everywhere. Everywhere he's going, he's going, Hey, follow me. Come follow me. Hey, come over here. Come with me. Come on, let's go. And then, and then it's really cool is uh, Philip goes to Nathaniel. He says, I, I met the Messiah, by the way, he's like, what, ugh, how, what makes you think? and he says, yeah, it's Jesus of Nazareth. And he's like, what good could come out of Nazareth? There's no there's nothing good that could come out of Nazareth we used to joke around about that like what good could come out of San Bernardino right we got some San Bernardino friends here I I because I, 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 it's like you know you grow up in that area you're like okay well we've kind of been gotten a bad name for ourselves over here what good could come from Hemet you know oh, see it gets personal on some of these I could tell you know you like what good could come from Baker Cal, you know I don't know the the mad Greek, I don't know if anyone's ever eaten there. A, a giant thermometer, if it's working. But you you look, at it's like, this is Jesus who came with no reputation. He did, wasn't born into this high status and place. And then he came in and he, and he started blowing everyone's minds because he knew who he was. He knew the purpose that he had. Moses was still in a sense like one step in front of the other. Jesus had a higher thing going on. And he got the fact that everything we get that we can get is by having a relationship with the Father, spending time with him. Where's Jesus? Ah, he's alone in the wilderness again. They come down and people would need to be healed and he'd heal them. And he would he would do stuff that blew everyone's minds, but but they could not get their they could not stop thinking about him. What is it about this man? What is it about him? Why is he so different than everybody else? Because he's the one that owns the house he knows every little piece of your heart he knows every little piece of what makes you tick he knows what it means to be a human he knows why there are humans he knows every single person in here with every little weird idiosyncrasy we all have them he knows all those parts of us and he, he knows how they all align for his purpose Because he built the house. He knows the foundation. He knows the skeletal structure. He knows how it's all put together. He knows the framing. He knows knows the whole process and he knows what you're called for and I'm called for. And we're called into this heavenly calling, this heavenly purpose. You were created for purpose. You were created to have identity in Jesus. Because what do we see now? But, as, but Christ is son over his, his ho- own house, whose house we are, if we hold the confidence and rejoicing the hope from to the end. Whose house we are. So now what, what are we? What does 1 Corinthians six nineteen tell us? Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. Jesus gave a picture of this right before he was about to die. He says, the temple's gonna be torn down and it'll be raised up three days later. And people are like, how? Like, how could you, that possibly be? I mean, it's amazing they could even build the thing. We are still marveling at the works that have been done by people back in the day. I mean, like, how did they? how did they do what they did, period? We know the first temple was much greater than the second. Solomon's was like unreal, right? The second temple was like different, a little different, you know. After exile, coming back, uh, but like there's like there's no way. How are you gonna do this? And then Jesus showed it was it was not it was not a building. It's like the, this is this is where now. This is going to be where I dwell. This is where I remain with my people. Now we get to be that body. We get to experience having the Holy Spirit of the living God inside of us. So, I mean, think pre-temple. You don't have any place to go and meet with God. He's just like not he's like not approachable. You get the temple or the tabernacle and the temple and you have some sort of an access point where certain people can meet with God and he can and he can forgive sins and he can even in a sense say things to them and they can receive and oh this is so good. So much better than it was before. But it's super complicated. And we can never fulfill it. We can never quite get there. And so we're failing still in that position. But we know, man, if we follow God, we win. We win. They start win battles. They start taking ground. They start trusting and believing in him. As soon as we don't trust him, like when God said, go into the land. I have it prepared for you. And they send out what the spies and the ten are like, no way. There's giants over there. He's like, yeah, the land looks great, but there's giants over there. And then Joshua and Caleb come back and they go, we can do this. They're big, but yeah, you know, we got this. God, and if God told us to do it, I think we got this. No problem, let's do this. And so there's like this, this thing where we, we're constantly going back and forth. Do we trust God or do we trust ourselves? Do we trust God or do we trust our traditions? And so we go, as much as none of us are probably compelled to go back to Judaism, you know, if, unless you have a background in that, I don't know, but we absolutely are compelled to go back to the way we were before in our traditions. You know where a lot of this is aligned in? These are the most tricky ones, family origin stuff, that you think is just normal, and it is not normal, and it is not of God. And sometimes he points his finger on it, and you go, no, that's who we are. It's basically our family crest. And he's like, yeah, well, that's going to be a problem, because I got something way better for you. But if you continue to hold on to this, it's going to it's going to hold you back. I, I, I need you. I want you. And so that's something we got to think about and look at because there's a lot of it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to I like trust God with my life. And it's like, but it's, if that person does that, then I'm going to do this. And you're like, what made you think you could do that? You just rewrote the script. You just decided arbitrarily you can choose a different way. Well, you know what? Yeah, that's, I'm sorry. You know, I'm going to need God's grace. That's the way I'm brought up. Ah, that's where I come from. Eh, you know, that's just the way I am. You're gonna have to get used to it. It's like, God's like, can I have access? No, this is who I am. This is my identity. He's like, no, you don't know your identity. Your identity is really found in me. And the things that you think are part of who you are might be the things that are holding you back from becoming who you really are, who you were really created to be. And how do we know this? Because we all experience it. We all go through it right? And, and as well-meaning as we could possibly be, our families could possibly be. We all have stuff that we've like taken on as normal and it's not. That's why it's really important that we take the word of God seriously as if it says it, I'm, that's, that's it. Like if, if there's a problem, it's not with this. This isn't the problem. And so we look at culture and it's shifting around us and people go, well, I don't know. Maybe that seems kind of archaic. Maybe that's been around a long, maybe it, they didn't know back then. You know, maybe we should change it. It's in the men's group, we were talking about the belt of truth. The belt holds it all together. It brings everything together. It makes it so you can run, so you can fight. It's like the the, the main line, that it's so important to have truth in our lives. And so where do we find truth? You find it in the word of God. That's where we find truth. And so we can look at all the, Everything around us—it's shifting sand, and it's—it's—it's gonna—it's not gonna age well. By the way, a lot of the wisdom of the day—it's already not aging well. The shelf life on some of this wisdom is so ridiculous; it is like it's already gone. It's done. So what do we do? We—we we, we find our foundation in Christ. We build on the rock, the cornerstone, and we let truth continue to be truth in our lives, even when it's inconvenient. Uh, dare I say, especially when it's inconvenient. I like truth that's convenient. You know why? Because I'm like, mm-hmm, that's right. They need to hear that. Because that's a truth I'm, I could get behind. hmm Yep. You all need to hear this. That's I know you, I know you don't get that part right. Mm-hmm. But what about the one that's like, what about me? What about me? What about m- my deal? Oh, I don't like that one. He <laughs> starts calling something out in you and you're like, who likes to be called out, by the way? But you recognize it and you go, oh, man, I need to hear this. This is a this is thing that's like messing me up. This is a thing that's like destroying me. This is the thing that's holding me back. Do I, will I be a victim my whole life of the same thing? Or can I move forward? Do I have to keep going back to tradition whenever things don't go well? This last, uh, Brad and I did an episode of the podcast and interviewed my friend Tommy, um, and, and his story is so gnarly. It's so gnarly. Uh, but this part two is coming out this week, and we were talking about how, like, his whole life went, like, kind of fell apart. His brother died. They had multiple miscarriages. His wife's mom died. Um, and it was all, I mean, his, the, his brother was, it was super unexpected. He was young, and I knew him. Um, m- multiple miscarriages, had an uncle go, had a nephew go, um, I mean, just absolute, like, it's like hell on earth. And he said, we decided, we had said we made a covenant with God before we even made a covenant with, with with each other. We don't even know where to go. There's nowhere else to go that we have to stay with, we have to stay here. And his thing that he said is years, five years later or whatever is you've got to just give God time. You give God time to work through the stuff that doesn't make sense in your life that you, so you don't have, you don't grab the wheel and go, I don't like the way this is going. You grab the wheel and like, I'm going this way now. I'm going back to the way it used to be. That's what the Hebrews are dealing with. The people that this book is written to, that's what they're dealing with is like, I don't like the way I'm going. I'm pulling it the other direction. Give him time to prove that he's faithful. And by the way, if you need time to look look back at the past and look at how faithful God has been in the past, that's an important thing. That's something that the, that, the, that the Israelites were doing constantly, remembering everything that God had done, having reminders and landmarks in their heads. Yes, he's, he's been so faithful to us. He's been so good to us. He's taking care of us. There's no temple anymore. There's no tabernacle. The Spirit of God dwells in us. Lives in us. What a gift! And so then we get to see really cool stuff happen. If we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. Hold fast is to be anchored. It means We anchor our lives on these things. Where we, there, a well-placed anchor is valuable in our culture, especially with how tumultuous it all is. We need to place our anchors well, hold Fast, the confidence. Another word for the confidence here, boldness and rejoicing of hope, not turning back. Let, let your, your anchor bring boldness in your life. I think that's, once you decide that this is the way, once you decide to follow Jesus fully, once you decide that this is, there is no other way, there's like a boldness that comes with that. It's like, I, it's the old song, I've decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. You know, the cross before me, right? Yep, no no turning back. We're not, there's nothing to turn back to. Where else could we go? Hold fast to that. Was life easier before? Maybe. <laughs> you know, is it—is it easy to say I'm down to follow as long as I don't have to give up my identity? Again, I would say you don't give up your identity, you find your identity. And it's gonna be a lot of who you are, but in the best possible version. What about my family or my friend's culture? You know, I don't want that to be touched. I'm gonna defer to my old life when the chips are down. I'm just gonna go back to what I used to do before. And I think it'll probably work this time, even though it never did before. And I'm saying that flippantly, we, I, I, I'm ta- talking about you. I'm, I'm saying me, I know this world. I know this thinking, I've done this before. I get it, I hate it. It's like, well, then we say, no, there's no turning back. Hold fast to what you know. Anchor yourself in this, this the point of confidence. The boldness is the fruits that comes from that confidence, from being anchored. Boldness comes from that. Paul prayed for boldness oft, often, right? That I'd speak the word of Christ. Maybe you're, maybe you're struggling right now. Maybe, maybe like you're in a spot where you're like, I am absolutely struggling with giving up the reins. Join the club. We're all there to some extent. But maybe God is poking something on your life. It's going, yeah, you kind of still want to hang out over there. And I want you over here. Because over there, it's just messing up your life. And, and one of the greatest threats to Christianity is not necessarily what we see in the world, although it is a great threat, but it's the, the lukewarm nature of the church. That the church, they can't see any difference between us and them. We need to have like, where we're with people and we love people, genuinely. And we're not scared to be around people where we're hermits and we move to like little communes and shoot everyone who comes anywhere near. That's not going to go well because you'll end up shooting each other soon, Right? <laughs> But we're in the world, but we're, we actually literally look different. And we are different. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to join us in person, we meet at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more info on the church or ministries we offer, head over to calvarycarlsbad.com. Thank you, and God bless.